A financial plan requires planning. It's savings, RRSPs, investments, and planning for the unexpected. TD Term Life Insurance can help protect your family's financial future if you were to unexpectedly pass away. You can apply for TD Term Life Insurance online or over the phone by speaking to a licensed advisor. If you're under the age of 55, you could be approved for up to $500,000 of coverage without a medical exam. Conditions apply. TD Term Life Insurance is underwritten by TD Life Insurance Company. Visit tdinsurance.com slash termlife to learn more. Amid growing pressure to address allegations of sexual misconduct in the Canadian forces, the federal government has announced an external review of how the military handles these cases. The announcement follows high-profile allegations against current and former high-ranking soldiers in the Canadian forces, including the former Chief of Defence Staff. I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10-3. National Post political reporter Christopher Nardi joins me to discuss why we're getting a review now, what the review will address, and whether we'll see meaningful change or if this review will wind up like past investigations into the culture of our military. Don't forget, you can find this podcast on Spotify, Google, Apple, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about us. So, Chris, ever since we had some pretty bombshell allegations regarding high-ranking members of the Canadian forces and sexual misconduct, there's been a lot of pressure on the federal government to do something or look like they're doing something. And so last week, Defense Minister Harjit Sajjan announced a review into sexual misconduct in the Canadian forces. Who's heading this up? This one is going to be run by another former Supreme Court justice, and I'll explain why I say another uh, in a few minutes, but uh, former Supreme Court Justice Louise Arbour, who was also the uh, United Nations Human Rights Tsar up until relatively recently, is retired now, and uh, she has been tasked by the government to look into this well-known issue and uh, release recommendations, quote, as soon as possible. Now, is it that she's looking into specific incidents or she's looking into how the military handles these things or systemic issues regarding sexual misconduct in the military? Like, what is it that she's being tasked with? It's a relatively broad mandate that she has. If I read the job description or the review description on the government's website, what you'll see is an independent, external, comprehensive review of current policies, procedures, programs, practices, and culture within the Canadian Armed Forces and D&D. So beyond being in love with alliteration, whoever wrote this (laughs) clearly wrote it in a somewhat bureaucratic way. But in short, what her job is, is to shed light on the continued, and this is still the government's words, the continued presence of harassment and sexual misconduct within Canada's military. And then there are more specific parts of her mandate, which look at, for example, uh, how, not if, but how the government should set up a external independent misconduct reporting system that is outside of the chain of command, which would be a first, for example, also reviewing the military justice system and seeing if it is adequately built, adequately staffed, structured uh, to address sexual misconduct hearings and issues, and much more broadly, how do you best transform the culture and, and a notoriously slow to change culture at the Department of National Defense and the Canadian Armed Forces. This is all coming after weeks of criticism of the government 
what it knew about current allegations, how it's handled things. And what did Harjit Sejan say to those who have been victims of sexual harassment and abuse in the Canadian forces when he announced that they were undertaking this new grand inquest into the culture? Well, late last week, he basically came out and said he was truly sorry to all members of the forces uh, and, and military who have not felt supported by the government over the years. And I'm talking, you know, 10, 20, 30 years. This isn't the first time that we hear about sexual misconduct, as you know, Dave, and it's not the last. I remember, I think it was in the 1990s, 1994, I could be wrong. There was a McLean's whole story on, you know, sexual misconduct in the army that they famously then redid about 10 years later with Stéphanie Raymond, that very emblematic case of sexual misconduct that went to the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he apologized. He said he was truly sorry. He said, you know, we have not lived up to our responsibility as a government to protect members of misconduct and, you know, repeated basically, again, this very obvious statement that we need to transform the culture of the defense team to one that is, quote, of dignity and respect. For those who haven't been following the news and, you know, as we were kind of talking even beforehand, like there's so much going on in the world right now and in Canada that you could be forgiven for missing non-COVID news. What sparked the need for all this? Was it the allegations against General Vance? Was it allegations about him and others at high ranking echelons? Or is it just a way to address kind of some of the ongoing chatter that there's a wider problem in the Canadian forces? It's a lot of all of that. Essentially, if we look back at it, nothing should have needed to spark this, to be clear. So uh, like I've mentioned a few times, this is not a new issue in the military. And I think we'll talk about it soon. But this is not also the first report that will be done on the issue by a former Supreme Court justice. But in this specific case, this issue has been brought up because of allegations that began uh, coming out in global news, who've done great work on this, uh, since February, basically came out and revealed that there were two stories, two allegations of sexual misconduct that targeted former chief of defense staff, so Canada's top general, uh, Jonathan Vance, who had just recently retired at the time. And the two allegations were from two separate women, one of which said that she had been in an inappropriate uh, relationship with Vance for years at least dating back to 2012. We now know, since this woman has come out publicly, that it was, in fact, a 20-year relationship, allegedly. And she was his subordinate. So he was in a position of power over her. The relationship had been disclosed, but it was very shady as to how that had been done and if the disclosure was done correctly. And she comes out and says, basically that this is an inappropriate relationship. She now claims that he actually fathered two of her eight children as well. All of these things that Vance has denied. Mm -hmm. And then simultaneously, another allegation that came out is that Vance had sent an email, an email that's since been made public, to a different female uh, subordinate, implying basically that they should go to a clothing optional resort together at some time. Uh, Again, this is in the context of him being much higher in the chain of command than these people. Uh, It makes it a very strong possibility for sexual misconduct. So 
These issues came out. They're obviously date from a few years ago. And as the story evolved, we found out that the former military ombudsman had been aware of at least one of these allegations, had tried to bring it to the defense minister, Harjit Sajjan. At the time, he had not wanted to hear anything about it. This is back in 2018. And then ultimately, the whole file just kind of died because no one moved forward with looking into these allegations against, at the time, the top soldier in Canada. And mm-hmm. now now that he's left, all of this is coming out and the government is being heavily criticized for how it allegedly mismanaged and kind of sat idle towards these two significant sexual misconduct allegations. I've seen some talk that suggests that this announcement is just to take focus off the fact that you know the defense minister and the prime minister's office was aware of the allegations against General Vance and didn't act. Do we know how much the PMO or even the prime minister knew about all of this? That, Dave, is an excellent question, and all of us would like to have an answer to that, but I have to say that the government has remained very dodgy on this whole thing. So what we do know from the former military ombudsman, Gary Warburton, is that he claims that in a meeting in 2018, he had met with Defense Minister Sajjan and basically told him that there was an allegation of a sexual nature towards Jonathan Vance, and he actually reached into his pocket to show the minister the proof of that, at which point the former ombudsman claims the minister literally backed away from the table, said, do not show that to me, and basically meeting ended, no follow-up. So that at least makes us believe that the defense minister was aware that there was a Me Too-like allegation. Mm -hmm. We also know through memos and briefing notes that PCO, the Privy Council Office, so this is the bureaucratic department that serves the Prime Minister directly, they were also aware that there was a a sexual misconduct allegation because they put it into a briefing note also in 2018. And these briefing notes often are provided to PMO. And so what we also know is that the Prime Minister's office, people at Sajan's office, then informed some people at the Prime Minister's office. And that information eventually did in fact reach Katie Telford, the prime minister's chief of staff. Now, what gets kind of hazy is how that information traveled. What part of it traveled? Was it just that there was an allegation? Do we know, did Katie Telford, the chief of staff, know that the allegation was sexual misconduct? That's where PMOs being very unclear in their responses. Sajan is being very unclear in what he claims he knew or didn't know about the nature of these allegations. But PMO and the prime minister has claimed since the beginning that he didn't know at all about any of these allegations until he saw the media reports back in February. Mm -hmm. But what we do know is that his second in command, his chief of staff, was aware that something had come up back in 2018. And people a little bit lower in the political chain of command and the bureaucratic chain of command were very much aware that there was a sexual misconduct allegation as part of that. So given all of this obfuscation on the part of the government about what they knew and when, why are they making this announcement now? The question could be, why did they wait six years since the famous Marie Deschamps report back in 2015 that concluded that 
there was a culture of problematic sexual issues in the armed forces and that there needed to be an external reporting system that was outside of the chain of command for victims of sexual misconduct. Mm -hmm. And six years later, this is when the follow-up is announced. So why do they make this announcement now? Well, cynical people would say, well, the government's you know, in hot water right now when it comes to how they managed previous allegations of sexual misconduct. And this is a great way to act or show like they're acting upon it. And, you know, arguably they are. This is an action. Those same cynical people would, like I say, said, you know, why didn't we do this six years ago? And there are, in fact, a lot of questions as to why is this happening now? I don't think a lot of people are disagreeing necessarily with what's being announced as much as why did we wait six years to act upon recommendations that were made in 2015 by another former Supreme Court justice that were very clear and still haven't been enacted upon? What happened in these six years? Well, clearly, nothing that to, to significantly change the culture at the CAF and D&D, because the same issues that were uh, you know trying to be addressed in the 2015 report continued to occur after that. And now here we are six years later, trying to find those concrete solutions to the recommendations that were made back in 2015. I recalled when the defense minister was making this announcement last week that, you know, it rang very familiar to me. And as you mentioned, we had a review like this just six years ago from Marie Deschamps. You know, what is it that her review recommended that we haven't done? And if we just had a review, why do we need a new one? So the main tenet of her report back in 2015 that she herself recently admitted uh, in parliamentary committee was not has not been enacted yet is uh, this external out of the chain of the command, not uh, at all reporting to military authorities reporting system for people who are victims of sexual misconduct, any, in, in fact, form of misconduct. So that was the main recommendation. And obviously, six years later, that has not occurred. So one of Louise Arbour's main mandates now, apart from a general broad analysis of the cultural issues at D&D and CAF, which is roughly exactly what Marie Deschamps back in did in 2015. But Louise Arbour now, her job is to take that recommendation by Deschamps and actually figure out what that external review structure will be basically. Mm -hmm. Not just we need one, now it's figuring out how to do it. And Minister Sajan argued that he did say that, you know, you don't just make a system like this. You don't just create it out of thin air. And he's right. This has to be well done. Trust in the military when it comes to dealing with sexual misconduct is shot, both within and outside of the military. I don't think that's interpretation. I think that's a fact. And most people have said so. So you can't want to create this external accountability structure uh, and then do it poorly and shatter that confidence even more. So it has to be done right. So that's going to be one of Louise Arbor's main jobs is to figure out how do we do this correctly? What is the proper external reporting structure that has the power to keep the military accountable, the power to look into these issues, but will also, I guess, respect the intrinsic uh, differences that the military has to kind of normal society where, you know, the military will always claim to be held to higher standards. Right? That's why they have their own military justice system that will convict you on things that in, you know, civilian life would be a lot less likely to be prosecuted. Well, they will prosecute things like vandalism and acts of insubordination. So mm -hmm. that I think will be Louise Arbor's main job will be to figure out how do we put this? What is the structure? And then from that point on, the government has already committed to doing whatever it takes to put that in place. 
Now, squarely at the center of this is Defense Minister Harjit Sejan. You know, he he came into the role, uh, highly touted, a decorated soldier. He served in Afghanistan. But this affair has left him open to a lot of criticism. What has been the response to his announcement? And how do critics feel of his ability to manage himself and the forces through this crisis? He's definitely been under fire since uh, February for, you know, the way that he handled or mishandled allegedly the sexual misconduct allegations, especially since the former military ombudsman came and says that he tried to tell him about these issues. And Sajan, according to himself, saying that he didn't want to get politics or the political staff involved in what should be an independent investigation, you know, backed off and didn't follow up on it at all. But Mm -hmm questions have swirled around him. Uh, One of them being, you know, at the time, the defense minister before becoming defense minister was a member of the military, and he served under General Vance during operations abroad. And that is obviously one question that people have brought up. Where do your loyalties stand? Are you still loyal to Vance in a certain regard because you served under him? And obviously, uh, he's also been accused of not being forthcoming with the truth. When the allegations began coming out in February, he was asked, did you know about this? And he said, I was not aware of these you know, specific allegations. And then later, when after the, the military, former military ombudsman testified and said he told Sajin, well, we went back to him with the same question. He says, no, no, I knew there were some allegations. I just didn't know what they were which is obviously very, very different from I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And that was his argument. It was like, no, no, I knew that there were allegations. I just didn't know what they were. So, you know, they're just very kind of shady, if I can allow myself that word, you know, or, or very, you know, just trying to cloud it and make it sound like he didn't know that much. When in fact, he knew more than I, I guess he kind of let imply at first. So he's definitely been having a rough couple months since February, and he's not necessarily pulled himself out of it. And there have been, you know, former victims of sexual assault in the military and experts and advocates that have said that he does not have the credibility to act on these issues anymore and to find solutions and that he should not be responsible for that anymore. When do we expect to see Louise Arbour's recommendations and these recommendations from Louise Arbour, do they spell the end of this scandal for the government or does the government still have to answer some kind of crucial questions around what they knew and how they plan to deal with the Canadian forces? There will certainly still be questions after the announcement last week of this Arbour review. What I tell you is that the Arbor review is kind of parallel to the kind of political scandal that we have going on right now. So what the government said last week when announcing the review was that there's no firm timeline, but they are hoping that Arbor gets the review done as quickly as possible. And they've also asked her to release recommendations as they come and not necessarily wait for a final report to release them all so that the government can supposedly get a head start on some of them. And then there was mention during the press conference of something along the lines of 12 to 15 months. So let's say give or take a year for this review to happen. Uh, And then after that, obviously, will be to determine if the report is actually acted on or if it's just shelved and allowed to take on dust and be forgotten. Mm -hmm. Simultaneously, the on the political side, there are still a lot of questions to be asked how much 
if anything, did the prime minister know about this personally? How much did his staff actually know about this? And why ultimately did nothing happen when these allegations came up, when we also know that in the meantime, after, you know, the, the, the former ombudsman had spoken up about these allegations to the minister, you know, PMO subsequently in the next few months or years approved a raise for Jonathan Vance, allowed him to stay on on a temporary extension while they found his uh, successor, who has now also moved aside because he's also under investigation by military police for sexual misconduct. There are still a series of questions to be asked, and there are political committees looking. There's one, in fact, looking at this. Another one was shut down by the liberals. And I'm hearing that there's even a possibility that the one today on Monday is also you know, potentially might be ended. It's unclear. So, you know, you can sense that the liberals don't really want to be talking about this anymore, but the oppositions have smelled blood and they're going to keep ticking. Fascinating stuff. Always an interesting time in Ottawa politics. Chris, thanks for your time. Thanks so much, Dave, for having me. 10.3 is produced by Sean Knox. Theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest, Chris Nardi. More from him at nationalpost.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.